welcome back to another episode of Bruins Tape to Tape. I'm your host this week, Caroline, and joined joining me today is Maria. Hi, Maria. Hello, hello. We have so much to talk about, and if we uh, don't want to be talking until midnight, we should just get right into it because there has been a lot happening with our Boston Bruins and in the league in general. I 100% agree. There's a giant bowl of Halloween candy that is calling my name. (laughs) So let's set the table. For all of our listeners, we just want to take a minute and mention and recognize the really terrible events that happened over the weekend over in the UK and the loss of Adam Johnson. For Maria and I, not only are we fans of the game of hockey, but we have also been and are currently members of the hockey community. I have a six-year-old who plays, and Maria has children who played several decades ago. And, you know, this weighs really heavy on our heart. And while there may be lots of discussion about different parts of what had happened, we just want to acknowledge and remind everyone that this was really heavy. We feel for everybody who was there, and we especially feel for Adam and his family. And we are heartbroken, just like every other hockey person. So we wanted to say that before we dove in to all the things that we have to talk about today. So yeah, th- this was a very sobering moment for a lot of people, particularly those of us who, as you said, either have children playing or had children playing. I still have an adult son who mm-hmm. plays in a men's league. And I, I can't even imagine what Adam Johnson's family is enduring right now. Not only was he a hockey player, but he was a son first mm-hmm. and foremost. And this is something that the Johnson family is likely going to live with for, for the rest of their lives with us. And regardless of, of where you stand on the issue of to wear a neck guard or to not wear a neck guard, th- this this is something that should not occur. We would never mm-hmm. want to see anything like this. And even even it happening once or even just twice is, is too many times when this yep. is the result. So, you know, I think some steps are being proactively taken already. I just saw a tweet before we started from Frank Savarelli that the WHL is implementing a mandatory neck guard policy effective Friday, November 3rd. I would mm-hmm. suspect that other organizations will be following following suit in, in short order. But the real tragedy is the fact that the Johnsons are mourning the loss of their son. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard the news as I was getting my own kid dressed for practice. So it's a tough thing. That being said, we've got a lot of Bruins stuff to talk about. We had quite the homestand. It continues still for another game, at least. We've got things to talk about our roster, Heinen, Patra, Grizz, Luch, the whole gang. And then a little bit of what the chirp, what's going on with our divisional rivals, the Ottawa Senators. They're having a season <laughs> and some around the rink news, maybe some more lighthearted or interesting or hat tips to be handed out to other players and teams. So last we spoke, it was before we played the Blackhawks in Chicago. We were kind of uh, debating on when our scheduled loss was, Maria, if you if you recall. <laughs> this is our time to, to, to pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Please, it was low-hanging fruit. I mean, Chicago is just, I, they have, they may have Connor Bedard, but my God, I don't envy any fan of the Chicago Blackhawks right now. Quite the game. It was a great way for them to end that road trip the perfect little mini road trip to get away with all the new folks, especially, you know, the the brand new guys, not only to the team, but brand new to the NHL. And they continued to maintain one of the franchise's best starts pretty much ever. Some interesting things that did happen during that game. What was kind of like your, your biggest takeaway from that Chicago game? Well, uh, let's talk about the 
the the Connor Bedard goal that came off the boards. <laughs> all right. So for for a league, for a league that is not shy about yeah. letting us all know that they want more scoring, to take that goal off the board on that offsides is is ludicrous to me. That that is yeah. something that needs to be looked at and changed. Yeah. Like like as soon as as possible. Now, Charlie Coyle was bailed out <laughs> by the coach's challenge because yeah. that was a brutal, disgusting turnover. <laughs> the, the likes of which I haven't seen in quite quite some time. So Especially um, him. <laughs> especially him. So he he's lucky that that the challenge was successful, but you know, again, the the, the offsides call had no bearing in my yeah. had no bearing on the scoring of that goal, which I think that this this is why, you know, we're, we're awarding we're awarding penalty shots to players yeah. for the equivalent of a slash, yet we're taking goals right. off the board for cheesy <laughs> offsides calls. Like, what are we doing here? What are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. And it's interesting because I know you and I have had this conversation. I've had this conversation with others. I've heard other broadcasters, and it definitely was mentioned during this game, especially because it was Connor Bedard. But, you know, I understand that it's a slippery slope and it can and can add a layer of complexity to a game that's already very complex to, you know, watch and, and keep track of from a, an officiating standpoint and from the, you know, the video folks in Toronto. But it if it, if it's going to be more than, you know, 30 seconds, I mean, for crying out loud, at that point, if the D couldn't get it out, then that's kind of on them. And if the offense then touches the puck and goes to make a play, like, come on, you've got to, if you've if the defense has gotten an opportunity to try and get it out, fine but you know what this was like felt like years after they had crossed and barely at that i mean kudos to the video team but and, and alleged allegedly from yeah. some of the the podcasts i've listened to and the commentary that i have listened to when the the general managers or numerous general managers wanted the implementation of being able to challenge the offside yeah supposedly gary bettman said to them, oh. don't do it, don't do it. Slippery You're not slope. gonna like it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so here we are. Here right. we are. Yep. So clearly something that needs to be revisited. My take my other takeaways from this game are that, you know, Peter Morazic kept the Chicago Blackhawks in this game. Yeah. In, in that particular game. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bruins scored two quick goals within 56 seconds of each other. And the first goal seemed to energize the yeah. Bruins a little bit because I think they were a little lackluster in the first period. Mm -hmm. My other takeaway, my other takeaway is Corey Perry is a jackass, <laughs> a total unmitigated jackass. Yeah, <laughs> it's karma. That's why he's always every team he's been on, <laughs> they lose in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> Like I, that's karma. What uh, what what purpose did he have for taking a shot at Swayman after the whistle? Yeah, I mean, luckily Shattenkirk let him know. That, yeah, you know that's not happening on his watch. But it's like it's like Weasley. Yeah, shit like that. That mm -hmm. you know the last couple of years of watching him play is like this yeah. is your role. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, it, it's one thing if you're going to be a pest and you have tremendous skill and you're an elite player. And it's another thing just to be an ass, certainly. that It's not a role that is really, I, I think, useful, helpful for a team. But who knows? What do I know? <laughs> the other the other takeaway, which was very scary, <sighs> coming yeah. on the heels of the conversation that we started off the podcast with, is yeah, Jesus. Um, what happened to to Jacob Blocko. Luckily, yeah. he was very lucky. Um, uh, yeah, he didn't sustain any damage to to his eye. He's yeah. definitely not winning any beauty contests right now with the yep. way he looks. But he's a very very lucky young man. Yeah, that was. 
that was scary to watch. I mean, and I've seen, you know, some pretty awful skate events happen out on the ice. So, you know, it's happens a lot more than you realize, I think, for most casual viewers of the game. And so thank God I, I was just like desperately scrolling through Instagram the day after. I'm like, please, please let there be news. And then I saw him in a really funny TikTok and I was like, well, he, he probably wouldn't be making a joke if he lost his eye. So that's good. <laughs> but yeah, it was a great win in the end. We got business done. And then they came home and my schedule loss, technically, technically not a loss, a loss, but not a loss. But you were there. So tell me, what was it like watching them play against Anaheim from the nosebleeds? <laughs> well, I mean, Charlie, Mac Charlie McAvoy was mm. was awesome in this mm -hmm. game. I, I don't know how, why he didn't get for, first star. That's beyond me. Yeah. I, I thought that. The coach's challenge in the first period for goalie interference was a colossal waste of time. Yeah. I, I don't even know why the Bruins or or their their video personnel recommended that challenge. Because even from up in the balcony, you could see yeah. that that was not goalie interference. But be be that as it may, you know, they they had so many chances <laughs> in the second period. So many chances. Yeah. To bury the Anaheim Ducks. And, yep. you know, sometimes I just don't know if it's, you know, bad luck, rotten luck, no luck at all. You know, when you've got guys missing open nets on three on two rushes. And then that gave Anaheim a chance to yeah. think that they had a chance to come back in the game. Uh -huh. And the, the last two minutes of the game was a train wreck. Just an absolute train wreck. I sat back up in my seat in the balcony saying, I've seen this movie before. I know how it's going to end. And I just <laughs> want to leave the building right now. Get me out of here. <laughs> I had no doubt in my mind that Anaheim was going to tie the game up. Yeah. How? How? And I, I'm full disclosure. I've never played hockey. I know it's a difficult sport. But I don't understand how, in a situation like that, when you have four or five players on the ice, there is an inability to yeah. make any to kind of puck. hockey play <laughs> in your own end. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. this game was particularly frustrating for me. So I... I have said for the better part of the last decade with this team, because I feel like even though, you know, the core guys have come and gone or like, you know, it's not the same team that it was even five years ago or whatever. But I think it, I don't know, maybe something, a culture thing of the team, but it's been like this for a very long time where the Bruins will come out they will be the better team in every possible way for 95% of the game, even 60% of the game, right? They will be the better team. They'll have better passes, better scoring chances, all that stuff. And yet they either can't convert for whatever reason or they can't clear. And I have said for at least two, the not necessarily last season, but definitely the pr previous two seasons, I would just say when they do a postmortem on this season, the cause of death is going to be they couldn't clear the puck. And one of my favorite takes on the situation, because I think like it really articulated my own thoughts and, and, and interpretations was... I heard this from Jaffe and Razor, and I mean, I'm sitting there with my headphones on screaming, yes, oh my God, yes, this is the facts. They sometimes lack some aggression, and I don't know why or what they're thinking. I don't know if, I don't know that they're trying to be cute or pretty or fancy. Sometimes, yes, but like, you know, the perfect example was in those final two minutes, why on earth? Did someone not just slap that puck out of there? They're trying to flip it. They're trying to tap it. 
Guys, you got two minutes. We are now reliving the trauma of that final 59 seconds of the season last year. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And like you, I can see it coming. I'm like, oh, my God, this is April 30th all over again. I'm like, they scored that. No, you the, can go back. You can go back to 2013 oh. against the Blackhawks. <laughs> yes. These are not, not small. No. It happens a lot. <laughs> Folks, let's not get it twisted. It's not the loss because no. losses happen. Right. It's the manner in which a team loses. And mm-hmm. when you see recurring yeah. patterns yeah. of behavior that you would like to think your, to yourself, yeah. well, this can't possibly happen again. And here we are. It yeah. happened again. Yeah. So I could see it coming. I knew before it got tied up. I'm like, they're going to do it. They're going to score. They're going to tie it. I wasn't sure once it went into overtime necessarily how it would go. I was actually a little bit surprised that they ended up losing in overtime. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been. But <laughs> when when you don't get to touch the puck for yeah, like, it, uh, almost nearly the two first minutes. two minutes of the OT period, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking you don't have much of a chance Yeah, no. if you want to so, win it in OT. Yeah. They got the ending they deserved based on how they treated the game, which was they decided the game was only going to be 57 57 minutes long instead of 60. And I think, and again, you were there for the next game. My impression was that whatever happened in between those two games, a message was sent and that message was received. And who led the charge? But the captain, like the captain, when it came to the next game, Detroit, he came out blazing, leading by example. That's exactly, you know, and again, maybe there were words, there were discussions either Mm -hmm. after what happened in Anaheim or before. But what a difference in in the love, like they played 60 minutes of of hockey Mm -hmm. and they they kept up with a a very good, young, fast team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was concerned going into the Detroit game, at least, especially two days prior, because they had yet to lose. And I was like, look, if they don't lose to Anaheim, they're they're going to have to lose against Detroit because, A, it would have been like a ridiculous number of games to go without losing, but also because Detroit is – on the up and up, you know, they're highly motivated to rebuild. They have a a legacy that is very impressive. And of course, they want to kind of get back to that. And they're doing everything that they can. And so I was worried, but it's kind of good then, I guess, that they had such a crappy game against Anaheim because it was motivation to get them going, especially against a divisional rival. Like that was the first game against a divisional rival and like yes every game counts you know the points from these other games are gonna matter come april but that was great and i've noticed both in that game and the anaheim game and maybe there was also something that happened in the panthers game (laughs) there have been several situations in a row now where we've had players almost essentially get stuck out there for exceptionally long periods. Like in the Anaheim game, Carlo was out there for a 59 second shift, which is long and and intense for a defenseman. Pasta was out there at some point over the past week on a two minute shift. I think that's also, you had mentioned something about Patra being out there for an absurd amount of time. And like, Poor, you know, poor Patra uh, couldn't well, barely, he could barely get over to the boards and hop <laughs> off the boards. Like the kid, I have to tell you, this kid continues to impress, but he hung in, uh, in and he, he did his job. How, you know, how many of them were throwing up at <laughs> the bench said after those shifts, like, and for folks who maybe don't actually realize you, you might be thinking like, oh, two minutes, no big deal. A standard shift is like 45 seconds, 30 to 45 seconds. So like, 42 seconds, you know. Right. So like, 
for 59 seconds that's a long one these guys are out there for two minutes i don't understand how they were not throwing up if they didn't <laughs> so yeah give, give, give credit but that, that absolutely was, uh, that was a good a good turnaround mm-hmm. win against a good a good team a yep. team that's been playing well yeah um, and you you certainly outplayed them for the better part of the game mm-hmm. the lone goal that Detroit scored by Joe Joe Villano was mm-hmm. uh, just a filthy wrist shot. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know many goalies that could have stopped yeah. Uh, yeah. that shot. So no no fault there on our goaltending. And once again, Pasta with the penalty shot and the goaltender thinking, oh, oh no. <laughs> Listen, that 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 shimmy shake oh, was mama. textbook. Oh I, mama, I can watch that over and over again. Yep. But here's my butt. Yeah. A penalty shot? For... Better than what his other penalty shot was for, at least. <laughs> you know, call me, call me an old dinosaur. I've been watching hockey for a long time. Yeah. And penalty shots back in the day were literally a player who was going in alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the defensive player chasing him down. Either mm-hmm. tripping him or literally throwing his stick between mm-hmm. his legs. Yeah. Him yes. On the goalie. Yeah. Slashing calls for a reason in yeah. the league. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, yeah. and I'm just yeah. saying this just because, and I know it was pasta, but I think <laughs> this type of decision making mm-hmm. by officials and by the league in an effort to perpetuate more scoring. Right, but then they take away. (laughs) And then they, it it just, to me, it does a little bit of a disservice to the game. That's all I'm going to say. Was the goal beautiful? It was a thing of beauty. It was sick. But I disagree that it was a penalty shot. Yeah. Yeah, this, this goal, I mean, during the game, I was texting and saying, like, this has me officially convinced that David Pasternak has officially entered that most elite tier of forward player. You know, I think he's always been at the top of maybe the second tier of, like, very, very excellent. Don't get me wrong. And then he had the 61 goals And again, not that I didn't think he could score a a high number of goals. I mean, but like 61, holy moly, right? That was crazy. We're nine games in and I'm like, holy cow, this guy has, he has arrived. He has arrived and he should always be mentioned in the same breath as Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and, you know, all of those guys, because this, he's He's turned it up, and I don't know how you could possibly do that at his level already, but holy cow. He's definitely should be up there with one of the Mm -hmm. faces that the NHL wants to be promoting. Not only is he developing into an elite hockey player, he just has so much fun. We love him. Mr. Personality. Right. And, and mm-hmm. isn't that what you want out of your league? So when you, when yeah. you look at the three stars of the month, oh yeah, the month of October in the NHL, mm-hmm. you're looking at the youth movement. Yes. Jack Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and mm-hmm. Dave Pasternak. Yep. What, what could be better for yeah. the league? Yeah. And quite frankly, they should be they should be all over that. And I feel like they aren't. I feel okay, there's a little side rant about all the Bedard coverage, but like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like, let's talk about some of these other guys because they are really exciting to watch. You know, I follow, I follow the Devils on Instagram. <laughs> Their social media content is top notch, hilarious. And so I see the, the plays that Hughes makes and I'm blown away. You know, when they, they announced who the top three were, I think it was like for the month of October, right? And I saw that pasta was third. I was like, well, who the heck could be first? And when I saw the names, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. Oh, that kid, he's something else. So the the league needs to get on top of using those guys to expand the game and get people excited. That It's great. The Panthers, another one that I was silently dreading. You know, 
Can we talk still about- still raw? Let, let, let's, <laughs> let's just skip the first movie because it was horrific. Uh, train wreck. Like I kept saying to myself, did the Bruins know who they're playing right now? Yeah. Like this is the team that ended their historic season. I know. They just didn't seem to be skating at all in that yeah. first period. Yeah. And so they found themselves down two to nothing. It could have mm-hmm. been worse was were it not for again, our goalies bailing oh. these guys out. Yep. Yep. They've definitely come in as our savior already multiple times during the season and our D to some extent. You know, I mean, they, they're, they're, they've been performing top notch. Not surprising to see that Monty was wasting no time in some of his mad scientist routine just to try and get something going. JD, you know, I oh, I want to see him actually follow through i feel like he's been close but this feels like a really long time yeah this this is a long time in a contract year in a contract year it makes me nervous i I agree i i don't understand what is holding him back Um, i don't know i you know is too and listening to monty he's been talked to about the fact that he's Mm -hmm. at his best debrusque is when he uses his speed Oh, he's so fast. The kid can skate. I mean, he's quick. So, you know, you saw a little bit of that in in the Panthers game. DeBrusque was more noticeable. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he he did show some of that speed and the ability to, like, control the puck Mm -hmm. and, you know, dish it off to Marchand for the goal. Yeah. He's got to do that shift after shift after shift. The disappearing act. Is, is not beneficial to him or the team, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And again, I kind of wonder how much, again, the loss of Bergeron has impacted his game, you know. But I hope he gets it because he's he's making plays. He's being where he needs to be, you know. You, you I, it'll see come. snippets of it. You see it'll snippets come. of it. It's got to be consistent. Yep. It'll come. I can only hope that once it does, it's going to be floodgates and... You know, because he he is a tremendous player. That penalty kill, not just the penalty kill that we're going to talk about in a second, but penalty kill in general. I mean, that's been a strength of the Boston Bruins for number of years at this point. That's been something that they've been very good at anyways. This season, I think they have only allowed one goal for all of their PK but holy cow. So we'll talk about the bonehead in our next segment when we talk about the rosters. But the fact that the Bruins had to kill a five-minute major in a game where it was pretty up and down. You know, like we said, that first period was pretty awful. That was incredible. That kill was incredible. And I think the crowd exploded when it ended. Like the fact that we got away with... With that was unbelievable. I was sweating bullets, but we—it wasn't even just like luck. Like they killed it out they there. They killed it. Yeah. They killed that thing dead. They, Florida had no chance really in that five minutes. I think what did they get? Maybe seven shots. Something they, they, they low. Seven shots during yeah. that five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Power <laughs> play time. So yeah. you know, and we hear this all the time from from experts mm-hmm. that power plays. Even if you don't score, can Mm -hmm. energize a team. And a good Mm -hmm. penalty kill can energize. And that five minutes was a huge, huge Mm -hmm. turning point for the Bruins. Because they were dominant in the third period. Absolutely dominant. The the sequence on Charlie McAvoy's game tying tying goal. He, Zaka, and... And pasta was, again, <laughs> it's just things of beauty, things of beauty, things that you want to show to young players over and over again yeah. on the, the how-tos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was literally perfect. Like the, the pass, the, the, the pot in, like it was gorgeous. And, you know, it was, it was definitely an up and down. 
I was thrilled that we were able to tie it up and take it into overtime. And I was really impressed when it came down to Zaka because, oh, man, that Marshy chance. I was like screaming practically. <laughs> but Zaka, you know, I like him. What I like about him is he's kind of a quiet player, you know, and plenty of times he's going to be a pass. He's going to pass it because he's a center. But man, is he talented. And boy, am I so happy that we've got him on the team he's, because... He's, yeah, he's getting he, more oh. comfortable in his role yep. with each passing game. Yes. And, you know, and it's not it's not just the offensive skills. Like, mm-hmm. he's had some back checks and defense yes. plays <laughs> that have, have truly been eye-opening to watch. Like, I, yeah. I, I didn't... I guess I didn't pay enough attention to him last season. Yeah. But from what I've seen out of him, his two-way game mm-hmm. is something that this team needs. really, really needs. Yeah. And it's great because, you know, he's young. He's 26 years old. I think part of the reason why he's been so surprising for me is the fact that last year he's been with us for... Is this his second year, third season? Oh, I've already kind of lost track with. It. I feel like he's already been part of the team for so long. It fits in so well, but uh, season two. I know, yeah. So, but like last, third. yeah. But last year, definitely, you know, he wasn't really he wasn't playing center, right? Because he we had Krejci. He was playing mm-hmm. with Krejci. So, right. you know, this is him really taking on a new role that we haven't really seen. Because he's now a full-time center and he's going up and down from first and second, which like, you know, quite frankly, when you're when you're just rotating in the top six, like it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's more about who you're getting paired with for chemistry more than anything. And again, I think I find him to be a more quiet member of the team. And so for to see him so decisively decide in that moment to not pass the puck when literally everyone was expecting it. And then he just ripped that off and it went in. I'm like, I was just like, wow. <laughs> I am so glad you were on this team. <laughs> so this this is year two for, for yes, Zuko with us. Yes, that's what I was year, thinking. He's going into his second season with us. Yep, yeah. So yes, I was glad he did not pass the puck because the yes. receiver of that puck would have been Danton Hyden. So. Your buddy. <laughs> so we'll talk about him and just the, the last thing I want to say I was also really happy to see an improvement in the face-off wins in the Florida game because it felt, well, definitely the game before against Detroit. That was, everybody was having a terrible night, right? Like, it wasn't one of those, like, oh, if we only had Patrice Bergeron. No, everybody, every, all, all four of our centers were doing a horrible job. So, like, <laughs> Patrice, he would have been a lone, lone guy out there doing any better. So it was good to see at least that's kind of coming back up. Because that's just a statistic that's going to be in our face all year without Bergie. So, so but the, the, it was a great, a good, yeah. me, a good statement win, a good comeback win. Yes. Showed Very meaningful the, redemption. The resiliency <laughs> of, of this team. Yes. But there were, there were some negatives that mm-hmm. came out of this game. Yeah. We lost Matt Grizzlick. Yeah. And he, it looks like he's now out for, Several weeks because mm-hmm. he has now been put on LTIR, I believe. The other thing that happened is, and this is on the Florida side of things, was mm-hmm. Sam Bennett apparently re-injured Ugh. himself, left yeah. the game, wasn't Sucks. able to come back, and you know that probably took a toll mm-hmm. on the Florida Panthers, losing a player of of that caliber in the game. Yeah. And then we have the Chuck Bonehead. Players. What? Uh, <sighs> like, you, this is when, you know, I like to walk up to a player like Charlie McAvoy and give him a dope slap and say, what were you thinking? Yeah. What were you thinking? There yeah. was absolutely no need for him to do what he did. Yeah. The puck was nowhere near the Florida Panthers player, who yep. Oliver Ekman Larson mm-hmm. is, you know, left the game. He was seeing he was to... seeing stars after right. 
You and according tell. to the, their latest injury report, he's still day-to-day mm-hmm. for the Panthers. And, you know, if if the shoe was on the other foot and a hit like that had been mm-hmm. levied against a Bruins player, mm-hmm. all the hell Bruins. would have broken loose. Yeah. Now, the fact that Charlie got four games, I think, is appropriate mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. First... We have been screaming for years mm-hmm. for a Department of Player Safety to be consistent Yes, with reviewing these. Mm-hmm. Rasmus Anderson mm-hmm. for the Calgary Flames received a four-game suspension yep. for a similar hit. Yeah. Connor Clifton, our old friend Connor Clifton for the Buffalo mm-hmm. Savers, was just assessed a two-game suspension. Mm-hmm. Now, to me... The difference here is that Charlie has already been suspended previously. I know it right. was back in 2019. I know it was only one game. It was during the playoffs. But to me, the difference is the McAvoy hit was more egregious than the Clifton hit. Yeah. So I yeah. have no issue with this mm-hmm. because I've been one of the ones screaming about, yes. I just want consistency. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. want consistency. Well, and we've talked about it and folks who have listened to our, our pod before. I mean, I've also said the same thing. And in that moment, you know, when you see it happen, you're like, OK, I'm, I was glad, you know, I thought the refs handled it really well. I think it was appropriate that for them to just do, say, all right, we're going to call the, the major penalty so we can review. Absolutely. That's what you should always do if you have the ability to do that because you want to make you got to make it right. And then, you know, they assessed the the match and the five minute. And so he was gone. And I was and disappointed. I want, I want to know who Charlie was was complaining to. When he skated off the ice, like, yeah, just be quiet. Right. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I definitely was disappointed. I think I was disappointed in him in, in putting the team in that situation because I agree with you, you know, and I've said it and this is the proof in the pudding. I don't care if it's a Boston Bruins player who does it or if it's any other player in the league, but I think that player safety needs to be consistent, especially when it comes to head injuries. This is a serious problem and could have major implications on players' lives later after they're done playing, you know? So I I don't know what I was expecting to see come down from player safety. I mean, Again, I'm still kind of getting used to this whole idea that, oh my God, are they actually being consistent? <laughs> so I was thinking, I'm like, are they going to maybe give him two games? And then when I saw four, I was like, okay, all right. So we're seeing some consistency. This is new. I'm liking this. <laughs> okay. So, you know, that means we are down our number one. We're down, you know, Grizz with, I still have not 100% sure I know exactly what happened in that case, but that's well terrible. He did go, he did go down a little bit awkwardly. Yeah. In, in the Panthers game. So, yeah. you know, the way he he was kind of in a twisted motion, mm. you know, it's hard to tell what area of the body, but he did go down awkwardly during upper a play body. in our own end. So I hope it's not, so it's upper body. So I would really hope that it's not related to his shoulder because he's had surgery on that. I mean, that was just last year. He was late coming back, right? Because he had soldier shoulder surgery because we learned that during the playoffs, he was basically existing with a dislocated shoulder that was just popping in and out. So (laughs) hopefully that's not that that again. And whatever is going on with him can be quickly resolved. But, you know, and then Derek Forber is still fighting something from preseason. So we're now looking at three guys, three defensemen, three three defensemen. Big time D guys, you know, Forbert is known for literally throwing his body in front of pucks. Like not every defenseman's willing to do that. Right. He doesn't. Yeah. He, <laughs> he broke both feet Blocked. last year. Yeah. Blocking, blocking, <laughs> blocking shots. Yeah. John Tortorella so, would love him on his team. <laughs> I, I know. Right. 
So, you know, that leaves us with fourth line also with that situation because Lauko, I think he's he's supposed to be back. I think he was only going to be out about a week-ish because I think he also had some fracture on his face, but I would then assume he could just play with a cage or whatever. But, you know, we don't know what's going on with Luch. So we've got basically a brand new fourth line, which is a bit of a bummer. Right. Those guys were doing great. And then we've got three defensemen. So what are you what's your take? Who's coming up? Are we gonna see Mason Lowry this week? Well, uh, according to Coach Monty, <laughs> according to Coach Monty, let, let me let me get the exact quote mm-hmm. when asked about Mason Lowry. It sounds to me as if Monty is not gonna be shy about mm-hmm. getting this kid in the game and getting him getting him minutes. So let yeah. me um let me pull up exactly what coach this kid said. I was really excited when I saw him and in preseason I knew it was going to be coming down to like physical availability of space for him because of the defensemen that we already had. You know, we didn't really lose defensemen in quite the same way that we lost forwards. So I knew it was going to kind of come down to that. It wasn't that he didn't do well enough. And I know that Monty loved him. So no, optimistic. It, it, was, it was it was definitely, a, you know, to some degree, a numbers game yeah. with having to send him and, you know, cap manipulation yeah. as, as well. Yeah. But- you know, when when asked about it today, and this this is was a post from Connor Ryan, quotes from Monty. I think you're going to see him a lot out there. We think he's ready for this league, and we think that he's going to play well in this league. Yeah, and that those are that's a direct quote yep. from from Jim Montgomery. So, yep. you know, hopefully Mason Lori will take full advantage of mm-hmm. the opportunity that yep. he's being given. And make it really hard on Coach Montgomery yeah. and on Sweeney about what to do with them. Send it yeah. back, keep them up, send it back. Like, listen, there there are going to be injuries. You know, if, if we yeah. think that these are going to be the only injuries that we're going to deal with all season long, yeah. we're all living in la-la land. Yeah. So, you know, there's there may be an opportunity for him to stay for quite some time, especially because... Grizzlick is on long-term injured reserve, which I believe that's like a 28-day right. process. Yep, that's a minimum. You're missing this number of games. Yep, Laco is on injured reserve. I'm not sure what the criteria is for that. It's Yeah, that's typically going to be about a week. So, yeah. So we'll yeah, see they've... what Mason bring, brings to the table. And yeah. I'm sure that, you know, Ian Mitchell and Parker Witherspoon are, okay, we need you just in case, guys. <laughs> yeah, they've been doing a lot of, if you happen to pop over to Cap Friendly, they've been doing a lot of paper transactions. And so essentially what that means for folks who maybe aren't as familiar is they've been either called up or sent down basically like literally on paper you you file paperwork and it's all because of the salary cap and when you consider the salary cap most of the time we talk about either their cap hit or their aav their annual value it's kind of the same thing where it's like okay you take their entire contract and you divide it evenly across the number of years the contract is for and so that's what we typically talk about like oh so and so is making nine million a year but with the NHL, they're also there's also a daily cap. And so when you are dealing with, you know, injuries and stuff like that, and you got to move people and different people have different salaries, especially for certain players who are NHL, like AHL, NHL players. So if it's a two-way contract or a one-way contract, their salaries can change potentially. So if it's Two-way, they get paid different amount of money when they get sent down versus when they get sent up. If it's one way, it's the same. So they have to like do all this kind of fancy accounting on paper. So, you know, if you look even just over literally, oh, I think it's almost every single day except for yesterday. You know, today they called up Wotherspoon, Mitchell, and Lowry on the 30th. They Well, that's when they signed your your favorite player. And, you know, the 28th, there was some up and down. Lowry was down and he was up earlier. So 
you know, it's we're going to know for sure, obviously, tomorrow, and hopefully we see it for real. But it's busy. I don't don't envy that person's job. I don't know if that's actually Don Sweeney's job or if they have an accountant, a capologist, if you will, who's saying, all right, this, think is, that this is how we do has, this. Has a, has a capologist, <laughs> but yeah, better them than me dealing with yes. all. And, and, and the Bruins aren't the only team. Um, no, this is daily life. With this issue. So I think this is daily life in for the NHL right now until the cap goes up again next season. Yeah, so definitely. But I, I'm excited. I hope we see him. And I would love to be a fly on the wall to get an understanding of what the heck was going on with how the Bruins were stringing Danton Heinen along for the ride. I, I don't necessarily think it was a stringing along. I, I think it was a mutual, to me, it was a mutual understanding, right? The Bruins wanted yes. him. Danton Heinen seemingly wanted to be here yeah. back with the Bruins. And so, you know, again, players always say the right thing. It's a business is a business. So I'm sure yeah. that he and his agent likely understood yeah. the business of navigating yeah. the cap. And so here he is. Yeah. And, and I guess this is where he wanted to be and he wasn't willing to do anything else. And so I guess he had to be okay with cooling his heels for a little bit. But And and honestly, you you may have maybe gotten him at a bargain. For yeah. you know, one year at a cap hit of seven hundred and seventy-five thousand. So yeah, yeah. And again, who knows? Maybe he didn't have any other offers either. Because we don't know exactly. There are other teams that really don't have a pot to piss in either. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know what? I mean, as as polarizing as he is, I mean, I don't, I don't have a particular opinion one way or the other, like uh, you do or some of our mutuals do, but. I mean, I guess it could be worse. So. And, and, you know what? I, and I, I don't hate. No. I don't hate the players. So, yeah. you know, if if one more person refers to me as a Heinen hater, I might have no. to fight them. <laughs> it's it's just that maybe I don't see what these yeah. quote unquote intangibles that yeah. everyone else sees. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, it's not about him. It's more about why do you love this guy so much? Like, I don't see it. I don't get it. But and maybe, yeah, maybe he's got a quiet game. It's not flashy. You know, it's yeah. not show offy. It's just it's good enough. Times I think there's a a little disappearing act. That's mm. all. Yeah, As, you know, yeah, I fair. don't know the man, so how could I hate him? <laughs> Well, and then the best news, the least surprising news of all time, Matty Patra, game 10, is moving on to the next round. You know, it's... Ugh. Worst Talk secret in hockey, right. whether or not oh, is he not, was going to go here, isn't or he? be sent back to Come juniors, on. please. Give me a break. Yeah, exactly. We've been saying it since day one. We've been saying it since preseason. Like, <laughs> we can go on record and say that. So for him... One thing that we kind of learned in terms of the again that contract because he's he's tied to juniors, not tied to the AHL. So he's now in this next level of he can still get sent back by before game 40. 40, correct. And if he goes beyond 40 games, which like I don't Again, like I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the case. If he goes past the 40 games, 40 games, then it starts to just change some things contractually for him in terms of when he can become an unrestricted free agent. So otherwise, you know, there's not really nothing too much else is changing. And I and I applaud the Bruins for, you know seeing this kid and and they're putting him in different situations yes, um, to push him to grow him opportunities to push him and to grow him which i yep. think that's it would have been a disservice in my view to send yeah. him back to juniors yeah yeah and not just juniors but the fact that they're putting him in top six i think you know yes they're moving him around there's all sorts of reasons why that's a good thing so I think they're so far so good. The Bruins are doing right by this young man. And I'm excited to see where he's going. Like I'm where his to the future brings him. I'm 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 on the verge of uh, reserving my Christmas money for Patra third jersey. I don't know. We'll see. 
could be a gamble, I have, but <laughs> I, have, I have a steadfast rule on jerseys, <laughs> which I broke. And now I know why I'm going back to my steadfast rule in saying that there, there were only two jerseys that I would ever rock with mm-hmm. names on them. One would be number, number four, four. <laughs> and number 37, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. On Who'd you buy? the moment, I bought a Taylor Hall jersey. No! Yep. <laughs> okay. He's that got is this buried. resume that's so long. How could you? They're buried in the attic because I so wanted him. I, I was I a Taylor know. Hall fan when he was in the draft. And I wanted his stock to drop before the draft because I knew that the Bruins were going to be drafting after. Yeah, the Oilers, and so I wanted Taylor Hall over yep. Tyler Sagan. So anyway, so yeah, mm-hmm. never again. It's, it's never Bergeron again. and Orr, and that's it. I'm not buying any more jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got quite the game coming up. We've got our first, I'd say, real rivalry yes. of the season. Oh, Toronto. Definitely. We're we're playing Toronto. On Thursday, tomorrow, against they just had a game against the Kings, which they that lost. was interesting. Yep, they lost that game. I believe it was last night mm-hmm. at home. The Maple mm-hmm. Leafs were at home, and they lost that game four to one. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, Toronto was coming off of a four game winning streak at yep. that point in time. Yep. Yeah, but they still seem to be struggling a little bit with their defense, you know, in spite of having William Nylander, who's having a heck of a start, you know, he's got a 61% Corsi 4, which means he's basically throwing all kinds of shots in the direction of the, the net, you know, he's got already quite a few points, I believe it's 13 points in just nine games. So, you know, that's nothing to frown on. But as you've heard me say before, and I will always say it comes down to defense and it really comes down to goaltending. And quite frankly, when you look at the goals for by Boston and Toronto at this point in the season, both teams have scored 29 goals in nine games. However, how many goals have the Bruins allowed? 14. How many goals has Toronto allowed? 28. 28. Literally well, twice as long. While, while their stars, their stars are mon- relatively money in the bank. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch Marner, <clears throat> Nylander, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, right? You got, you're, they're going to do what those guys do, which is put right. the puck in the net. You mm-hmm. certainly don't want to let them out too often on a power play. Yeah. The, the issue with the Maple Leafs is that they've got, Maybe two lines yeah. that can score. <laughs> and where where have we seen this movie before? <laughs> I've read, read this book. I didn't like this book. Okay. So, you know, that that could be a problem for them. Yeah. And, you know, Mitch, Mitch Marner, I believe, is on a contract year. I mean, I I, mm. I think he's going to go to free agency and he's going to get some buco bucks, whether it's with the Maple Leafs or some other team. Well, I don't know how the Maple Leafs can afford him and Austin Matthews. So I, I don't I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> he's they been were, priced out. Yeah. They weren't cap compliant up until, like, no. I think, the day before <laughs> the season started. So but even with all of that, this is definitely a challenge and a test. Yeah, because the the again the Maple Leafs and the Bruins are uh-huh. now rivals. They have been rivals, yeah, for quite some time now. Yep, and the Bruins have been responsible for breaking the hearts and minds mm-hmm. and souls of the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs for many seasons. Yep. So you know the Bruins need to buckle up, yeah, and and be be ready. To roll because yep. they do have some offensive power, and we we have the best goaltending in the league. Yep, but we've got some gaps to fill on the back end. Yeah, and I've night. I've been a little bit worried that we're slipping into that as well. I haven't seen as much depth in our goal scoring as we started out with, and I feel like it's very much so been the 
Pasta show, which, like, again, I'm not mad about ha- watching David Pasternak score goals 100 million different ways, but I would like to see other people score goals, especially further down the roster. So we'll see, you know, what these injuries and all these changes kind of mean for that. It could be a bumpy next month or so and hopefully we get the kinks out of any possible you know issues around injuries and stuff by by the end of this calendar year because once we hit january you know it's kind of starting to get to be go time you know it's no longer u.s thanksgiving i think i think that's too short a window yeah I say it's like, yeah, January team is going to be. Yeah. What what are you capable? Like, do you think you have enough time, you know, to get within reach of the playoffs? You've got enough time at that point for your front office to be considering, Okay, where where are our gaps? Where do we you know, where do things lie? What kind of trades do we need to make? So like January is a super important time for for everybody in the organization. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I just want Monty at some point to settle on lines. And I've heard this said. <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> by more than one person. Well, then you're never going to get the balanced scoring that you're going to need if you're Fact. just going to keep moving guys yes. back and forth. Because yeah. chemistry needs to be developed. And I understand yeah. the rationale for needing to do that on occasion. Yeah. But at some point, you've got to let guys get to know each other. Out on the ice. So I just. Yep, definitely. So it'll be interesting. It's always fun and exciting. Just, you know, before we wrap up, because, you know, this is a a Bruins talk, not an all NHL, but we do like to talk about a couple of other things that are happening. So, you know, I guess we'll call it around the rink for some nice stories around the rink. Three interesting things in a classic jumbo move. Without much fanfare, a shirtless Joe Thornton announced his retirement after 24 years in the league. Some fun, awesome stats about this man who is destined for the Hall of Fame, I'm sure. For those it's of you just who... a shame he never got a real opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. I know. He was the number one overall pick by the Boston Bruins in 1997. He played 1,714 games, 430 goals scored, 1,539 points, and 1,272 penalty minutes in eight seasons with the Bruins before he was traded to San Jose, where he became a franchise player. And you've probably heard the expression that living well is the best revenge. I think he definitely did that out in San Jose. It's just too bad for his own sake that he wasn't there in 2011. Whether or not he should have been, whether or not he should have been traded. Dumbest trade (laughs) in Bruins history, maybe Boston sports history, you could argue. But Mike O'Connell, what a dope. Yeah. What an absolute utter dope. Yeah. So, you know, it's a shame, you know, as much as I I I don't dislike the expansions. I think, you know, we can have more hockey for everybody in more regions. That's great. But it is making it more and more likely that all of these young Hall of Famers who end up in the hall are not gonna have a cup attached to their name you know with 32 teams the odds of being on a team that goes all the way so it does it does stink for him and for others you know i think about hank from the rangers another one yeah this is one of the best goalies ever and he doesn't have a cup so you know but it was it was sad yeah, we knew it was, we knew he didn't play last year, so come on. Other fun news. I don't know if it's super fun for Boston fans, but Gail McCarr just passed Bobby Orr's record for the quickest defenseman to hit 250 points back on October 17th against the Kraken. And he notched his 250th in his 241st game, or did it, in 247 games. So kudos to this it. young no, man. No more breaking Bobby Orr's record. Though. I know, but yeah. <laughs> He's likely... Right. If he continues on this guy, the career, yeah. right. He's, he's likely to break um, yeah. another record or two set by the greatest hockey player of all time. 
Yep. Yeah. There there's no one can beat Bobby Orr, but this kid's going to come close. Let's be let's be honest. And Frozen Frenzy. Yay or nay? I thought it was fun. I, I did, too. It was fun. Let's do it um, again. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I'd want to see it, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah. I, I think from, you know, a viewership standpoint, you know, yeah. they could do it once, once a, month, a month, once every yeah. couple of months, if mm-hmm. schedules allow for it. I thought it was, I thought it was really entertaining. Yeah. And kudos to, and I hate to give the full letter network <laughs> for much, but kudos, kudos to them for doing yep. a good job with Frozen yeah. Frenzy. I hope that the next one they do is like a Saturday so we can, so those of us on the West Coast can actually, or East Coast can see the West Coast games. That would be fun, you know. Yeah, the, the 11 o'clock yeah. start. I can't do games, that. I was out no. on that. Yeah. Nope. I was, Sorry. I was all set at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I thought that the 830 start for the Bruins was late. <laughs> and then for a little bit of, again, some schadenfreude, what the chirp. <laughs> Ottawa Senators. A little bit of gossip. A little bit of gossip. What is going on, Ottawa? Get your oh act together. God. Well, I don't <laughs> think it's well. I I think that the Ottawa Senators have a real legit beef with the league on these issues. Something's well, the owner, going on. The owner of the Ottawa Senators. He's not leaving a speck of meat on the bones of the <laughs> NHL. So, in case anyone's missed it, Shane Pinto who is, was in the midst of nego- renegotiating his contract with yeah. the Ottawa Senators, has been suspended for half a season yeah. as a result of gambling. Now, yes. the league has been sending missed messages about this. I agree. He didn't, he didn't gamble, but we're suspending him for gambling. So the, the, the story seems to be is that the bets were placed through a proxy. Yeah, And the 41 games seems a little bit of an odd number to me. And I'm wondering if the 41 game suspension, when it correlates to what that comes to in lost salary, if that's mm. what he reaped as a result. Oh, oh, the gambling. I mean, it's just don't you think 41 is an odd number? Yeah. Like why half a season? Why? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't oh, know. Maybe, I like maybe, that. Um, maybe you know, just again, I have no information right. on this. I was just thinking about it. You know, when you're laying yeah. awake at night thinking about yeah things, like, yeah, that seems really so weird. To me. Yeah. So that that's the first bit of now. Apparently, the investigation into this situation mm-hmm. has been ongoing, and by <laughs> ongoing, it seems to have started prior to the sale of the team. Oh. So this coupled with the <laughs> loss of a first round draft pick by the Ottawa Senators has caused the new owner to basically go postal. Yeah. So he fired so then the new owners is I'm going to butcher his name. Evgeny, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's no Mike Michael Andalau. And Lauer, yep. Yeah. Who is now questioning why these issues were not disclosed to him <gasps> prior to the sale. Oh. During the negotiations of the purchase of this team. Oh, I missed that story. Look at that. Breaking news to me. <laughs> okay. I missed that piece. So he's questioning why he inherited the Dadnoff situation, mm-hmm. being that the incident happened almost two years ago, yeah, eighteen months before he purchased the oh. senator, and he was never made aware of this. He he says he mm-hmm. was never made aware of the Shane Pinto gambling situation. Yeah, interesting. So the GM yeah. in Ottawa is out, mm-hmm. and another little tidbit, and mm. this will make again talk about Schadenfreude. Whose name do you think is coming up as a potential successor? No. To no. Pierre Doran. No. Okay. No. no don't it's say it's a good thing if, you if Shirelli gets the job. No. It's a good thing they took away the first round draft pick because he would just trade it away. Oh my god. 
<laughs> well, there you have it, folks. There you have it. And that's how we're going to end yep. tonight's, yep. tonight's episode. Couple of that. Also, I, I forgot to even put on the list of things the Debrinket debacle. So, whatever's going on in Ottawa, considering they were the only team pretty much that could beat Boston last year consistently, I'm I'm enjoying my cup of tea. <laughs> I think we all are when it's when it's not happening to our team. Exactly. But well, I'm excited for the Toronto game tomorrow. True rivalry. Real hockey. I hope it's fast. I hope it's chippy. I hope it's exciting. Lots of goals. And I will, I'll be sitting on my couch cheering them on. And we'll talk with you guys next week. Go bees. Enjoy the games. <laughs> <laughs>